Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, a conversation where good thoughts help renew the mind with the Word of God. I'm Charlie Carter, and I'm here with Tim Little and Andy Stearns. Let's jump into the conversation. Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, episode number three. 95 almost said 35 yeah what was that man i don't know come on then it's our summer recap summer recap episode so here's what we're gonna do in this episode we're gonna talk about some more reading we've done over the summer we're gonna come back to discussion about red wall we have that on the list here so excited we're gonna talk about our ministry over the summer we all did a bunch of different things speaking at camps and things like that so we're gonna do a quick recap there we're gonna talk about scripture like if there's like a scripture passage or some ideas that were challenging to us over the summer and then uh i have season five what was that oh are we gonna talk about prayer Uh, requests for season five is that we're gonna do i thought we were doing that on the next episode okay well maybe we'll do that on the next episode at the beginning of season five that makes a lot you know let me just cross that out then i don't know why i wrote that down that's my sound my sound effect that's a good sound effect uh, also have, are we going to talk about the social media? Are we going to do that? Can yeah, we can that? just bring it up. Yeah. So, Hey, if you follow us on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, we had a post go out yesterday, today. Well, this episode airs next week. So yeah, okay, yeah. like a week so ago. We're recording this on the first day of August. Okay. Uh-huh. And so we're having a contest run through kind of through the fall. And, uh, I'm not exactly sure how it's going to be run, but the details will be in the post. So stay tuned. If you haven't seen that, I think pretty much what it is is you submit a book, you give us a rating, a title, things like that. And uh, we will, you, you email that to us. Mm-hmm. We will post it. And then I think it's a contest of like, whichever post gets the most shares and likes. We've gotten so, some uh, yeah. stuff at the bookstore that some of it might be like a scratch and dent, but we've got some Lord of the Rings like sets and they're nice wanna, people. Yeah, they're really they're nice. They're really nice. And there's a one volume. There's a really nice there Lord is. of the Rings one it's volume. It's a beautiful one volume edition of uh, the Lord of the Rings, the whole thing. Uh, some really nice stuff. And we've been trying to think through how we can give it away. And our social media manager, Sydney, she came up with this idea. I thought We thought it was brilliant. And so um, submit your books in business. Yeah. So if you're listening to this, it'll probably be on math 9th, the 16th is when this will... You'll be listening to this episode, or you might be listening to it a couple days late, but I think it is something you want to send it to us in August, I'm sure, so that we can post it in September, and then I think we're going to declare the winner or winners in October. Yeah. So uh, be reading books and send those to us at thinklingspodcast at gmail.com. And with that, we have some Thinklings business to tend to. Books and business. Books and business. So who wants to who wants to go first? Well, let's start with Redwall. Come on, let's start, start with, with Redwall. Red Wall. Come on. I'll take a nap. You go ahead. Okay. So oh, come on. Asterisk. Spoiler. Spoiler alert. We are going to talk about things in Redwall. Yeah. That if you don't want to know the ending of it, you need to stop listening now. Yep. Okay? This is your warning. This is your warning. We're, we're, we're going to talk about plot, and we're going to ruin some things. Yeah. So, Andy, you finished Redwall. I did. Why don't you tell us what you thought? So there's two things about it. Number one, I really enjoyed it. And number two, this is the reason you don't rate a book until you've read the whole thing. Looking I'm at staring at Tim Little. 
We've all done it. Andy. I know. I have We've too. all done it. We've all done it. So halfway through, <laughs> I had a certain view of the book. Horrendous. But by the time I got done, Charlie, you nailed it. The cornflower issue was very tastefully done. Yep. It, it was not around. It wasn't like awakening love. I would. I wouldn't have a problem with my son reading it. It wouldn't be like a struggle. So that was good. That was so good. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So I think you don't have to intentionally spoil something. I mean, well, okay, he's I, kind of taking no, care but, of it. But you kind of do, though. This All one right. was it would be okay. So mention a little. Andy's initial concern was that there's sort of this very easily seen or perceived interest Can between. Feel the oh, sorry. They yeah. So do not. Okay. So <laughs> the the two main uh, not two main characters but Matthias and Cornflower. There's very easily perceived attraction. Mm-hmm. And there's just little snippets of it, yep. like that they're they're very kind to each other. He wants to sit next to her, things like that. And how it is resolved at the end is the abbot of Redwall, as he's dying, is like, "Cornflower, come here. Yeah, you are now married to him yep. because he needs a good wife." Yep. And that's it. And that's it. There's nothing. And then else. now they're married. And then later wow. they like are married and have kids. It's it's yep. it's, it's perfect. The epilogue it's of great. the story is they've been married. They have a son. Yep. So like there is no like flirty datey like what is no. this? It's like, oh, you're interested in each other. You're both virtuous. You're married. Yeah. And I, Tim, what do you think of that? Okay. Sounds good, huh? We got an okay. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> what I will say is I think that it's more it was more it was helpful for me to think through why was I so concerned when I saw these issues? Because looking back, it is actually rather tame. I think it's more indicative of our current society. And sure. anytime this stuff starts, it naturally goes to the, the, the stuff that's inappropriate. The awakening. Yeah. So I, I was, I was yeah. pleased with what it was. I will still say, so overall it was really fun and I would read it again. I'd read it to my kids. It would be a fun read. It does. It, it resolves issues in ways I think kids can follow there. I mean, yeah. here's a problem. Boom. It gets resolved. Here's another problem. Boom. It gets, it's very quick. There's not a lot of like tension ripped out on a lot of these issues there is the overall sort of tension of what's going to happen but it's it's not like other books so it, it would be good for little kids i think yeah and i also would say that it still is a little thin i would say that it's just not wing feather with the deep layers of significance and meaning and the 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 echoes and homages to the the, the uh, trueness of life, a Christianity, the created order. Completely it's agree. Not bad, but it's just that there's not a, a depth it, in, like that. It's still really good. It's, uh, when I say that, I don't want you to think that he's a bad writer, he's not creative or anything like yeah. that. But there's no, there's there's not that depth of like Green Ember yeah. or Narnia even, or let alone Tolkien. So, but but it's okay. I mean, comparing any of them one to those four would be hard. Yeah. So I would give it a, a seven on the Thinkling's goodness scale for. What fiction. do we know about Brian Jacks? Like, do we know any of his background or anything like that? I think he's just Jakes. Is he, Jacks. You Jakes. guys so he about was a, that last time. He was a theater guy. He was some sort. Of, he did like acting is and he stuff. He's still alive. He passed away in 2011. Okay. He's from, uh, I believe it's Ireland, and uh, I, I didn't look to see if he's from Belfast, where Lewis is. Um, but he he was a very creative person in his life. He had a radio show, if I if I remember correctly. So I'm excited. So just spoiler here. Um, two weeks ago, I was at family camp and Steve Cox was the program guy. Shout out to Steve Cox. And Ooh. he threw down the gauntlet at you guys at family camp. It was great. I'm telling you every day at family camp, he, he would get up and he would say, what are you reading? 
to everybody. It was like nice. it was like a thinkling. Oh, okay. I wasn't all sure week. what you meant by yeah the gauntlet. No, here, the gauntlet. here's the gauntlet. And in one of those days, he said, "What are you reading?" And when I say reading, I would say even audiobooks. I listen to them all the time. Ooh. Now there's this big debate: Ooh. is an audiobook as good as a regular book? And you know what mm. I'm going to say? It's the same. So you just take that. I'm sure they have different opinions. And so he dropped it, Charlie. He dropped it right there on okay. you. Okay, here's here's my problem. <laughs> we, we, don't, we don't need to review this. No, 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 no. Okay. We can just agree to disagree. So I have a friend. I have a friend who, like, I think he messaged me this thread on Twitter. <clears throat> and the question was, are audiobooks reading? Very specific wording. Mm-hmm. Is an audio book reading and that's the problem i have a problem with someone who's like oh yeah i read all the time what did you read well i listened i listened i I listened i listened it's more of a conversation that's not reading it's it's a different activity agreed so what what is going on in the person who wants to tell you that they're reading when they're actually not that's my problem. Now, I want, I want to step back because I want to throw can it down just, hard. Can we just agree to disagree? That's and okay. move on? 100%. Here we go. And actually, and on that same thread, <laughs> there was a post about how like the brain is stimulated in similar ways. Or something. Yeah. And that's the first right. like research I'd ever yeah. seen on that. And so I want to go, I, I like yeah. penned it. I'm going to go back and read it. And so like, I, I'm not saying it's not as entertaining. It's not as efficient at transferring information. I do think some people probably get more information yeah. out of yep. audiobooks. Yep. It is not reading because you're not doing the activity of reading. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. And I would say uh, when you read books to your kids or when you read aloud, I would say that's the category. Someone's reading yeah. aloud to you. Yeah. And I think it would even fit. Imagine like you're, you're in some farm village in the 1800s and everyone gets done with the harvest they that day and you all books. sit down and you're like talking <laughs> to the old timer like, hey, tell us about the time when this happened and everyone yep. sits around and listens. I think you could put it in that level. Yeah. And so we would call it reading. But anyways, now Steve also said. It is a mental stimulation. Yeah. And, and, a, and I think a good form of learning. Yeah. Not the same. So yeah. but he also did say you've got to be careful. He, he, he caveated it well. I was just purposely throwing it hard at you to yeah. see what you do. Because I think well, he'd funny. get a kick this, out of this it. Thread, so <laughs> I, st- I started looking through the answers on this thread. <clears throat> and everyone was like, oh, yeah, it counts as reading. It counts as reading. It counts as reading. And then there's like one guy that's like, it's, it's literally actually, not reading. Yeah, it's not reading. And I commented, I think this is the best response because you asked like an objective question: Is listening to an audiobook <laughs> reading? And Charlie and the was objective banned answer from Twitter. Is no. And I, so I, I'm like, I think this is the best answer. And then the person who started the thread responded to me and was like, "You guys are rude." <laughs> and it's like, why does, it's not a polemic <laughs> are thing. You kidding? It's not polemic. I'm just telling you, listening is not equal to reading. It sounds like a Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. So going back to Redwall, I really enjoyed so I just, it. I didn't say anything after that. No. And I'm going to l- purposely choose to listen to Mossflower, the second book, because it's on Scribd and I have like three months of free Scribd right now. And I've heard, like you said, the narration on the first Redwall was really good. So what I thought was interesting. And I, th- I wonder if I would have enjoyed it better. Listening through it. So like I read for the first like third of the book, mm-hmm. like l- actually read, mm-hmm. literally read. And then on my way home from Grandview Camp, I was listening. And what's funny is like, I think there's an art form here of like creating characters and like voicing yeah. them. Yep. And, and and like, you know, like some of the more iconic ones in history, like you think about Aladdin and you have G- the genie is, is Robin Williams mm-hmm. and like how like, yeah. amazing of a voice actor, like something like that is. And I think you get a little bit of that in, in an audiobook mm-hmm. and like, 
uh, Clooney the Scourge. I know. He has this I like wish I thick, his piratey accent in uh, the audiobook. Yeah. And like you almost couldn't understand him. Mm. And part of me is like, this is so frustrating. I just want to, but it's part of the, it, it, I think it enhances the art form of the yeah. audio. Yep. And so I do think that's a very valid thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to read this the second one. So there, that's, I got another book, but okay, so what else are we reading? Let's go. Just at the, and at the end of Redwall. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't want to give, I don't want to give it away, but we are, they already know. Spoiler alert. Like the mice beat the rats. Yeah. Okay. Oh, no way. <gasps> but then there's like this whole subplot of like the sparrows. Yeah. The sparrows These are birds awesome. that don't yep. like the mice yep. and how he, Matthias wins them over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think he does that like virtuously. Yep. And, uh, but then like the end scene when like they all crash in unannounced and the sparrows show up and it's just like yeah. rat carnage. It was like yeah. they all die, yep. you know, and it's, it's just a, it's a cool victory moment. Yeah. In fact, because they're in the Abbey and so they're in the courtyard and then like the heroes come from above. Do you know what scene it reminded me of in a movie that I've seen? Attack of the clones when they're all <laughs> surrounded by the bugs and in come the clones. I'm like, they ripped this off from Redwall or one of the, but it's just, yeah. it's a, it's a, you know, a, a, a rhetorical device. And yeah. So. And it's, it's, it's the way that it's built is like, it was good. It was good. right when, right when it's the darkest of the dark, yep. the Boom. light comes. Yeah. Right. It's a very like, it, it, it's, it's the most basic form of the two towers where it's like, yep. how I was going to say that. And then mm-hmm. boom, they show up and it's a victory. Yeah, you know? yeah I thought you were going to go to Lord of the Rings, actually. No, I thought of the clones. But, but so, you know. and I think everybody likes a story like that, even if you know what's going to happen. I it's wonder just, why. It is not as complex as I wonder why. Mm. If I had to rank, th- so you asked last time, Tim, if you had to read Chronicles of Perdane mm-hmm. or this, mm-hmm. I actually, I'm not sure if it's a fair comparison. I think that Redwall would be a great book for like under 10. Yeah. And then I think Predane is like the main character Taran is like 12, mm, I think. And okay. so I think it's like a young, a, 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 just slightly older than Redwall. And then I'd put Wingfeather right in that same. Janner is mm-hmm. a very similar character mm-hmm. to Taran, mm-hmm. like young boy. And then I would say if, if they made it through those three, then it's like, okay, now I think the entry level for Tolkien is the Hobbit. Uh, but then from there, like if they're, if they're wanting more, it's like, okay, here's, here's, here it is. Here's the Lord of the Rings, you know? But I think it's just like stepping stones. Mm-hmm. Like any kid that loves Redwall 10 years later is going to like be in love with Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I agree. You know, so. I mean, all things being equal, but. So that was my fun book for the summer. I also read, started reading a book called Rembrandt is in the Wind by Ramsey. What's his first name here? And it's a book about art, Russ Ramsey. It's learning to love art through the eyes of faith. And the first chapter is all about the transcendentals, the truth, goodness, beauty. And so how does art use that? How can Christians love that? And then he goes through like 10 to 13 artists throughout history. So I just started the chapter on Michelangelo. Looks really interesting. Um, Yeah, I think the other two books, I started Chris Anderson's uh, Theology That Sticks. Oh, I got to get that one. That was, uh, from what I read of it, it was really good. I I read like the beginning chapter and I think I maybe read a chapter later on about the voice needs to be prominent in singing. Like the music shouldn't over, like cover over the voice. That was a really good chapter. He's got a lot of good quotes. He's done a lot of research. And then I also, um, there's another book. What was the other one I started? Oh, Seasons of Sorrow, but we'll get to that later. Yeah. Okay. Tim, what have you been reading? 
So I've got a stack of books here that I've kind of been reading. I've been doing more writing this last month, uh, so I haven't been reading uh, much. I have uh, Klaus Westermann's commentary on Genesis, Genesis 1 through 11, which I expected to be really good. He's a higher critical, so he is not evangelical. It's a liberal commentary, but it was actually pretty worthless. I did not like it, uh, and I'm actually going to send it back. So if you need a Genesis commentary, even for the technical components, I thought Westermann was a letdown. So you're sending a, it back. You're not putting on a stack of any kind. It costs $45 and I didn't find oh, that yeah. a good investment. Good so move. I'm getting Send rid that of one it. back. <laughs> <laughs> if it's a used copy, even it was $45. Okay. So then I've got uh, marriage and family in the biblical world. Uh, the editor is Campbell. This is written by a consortium of authors. The specific article that I found helpful um, is by Daniel Block, Marriage and Family in Ancient Israel. So he talks about, a lot of people talk about patriarchy, and he doesn't say that the Old Testament family was patriarchal. He was, says that it's uh, patricentric. It revolved around the father. And I think that's a better description. Um, people re hear the word Ooh, patriarchy, yeah. and they have like, hey, he's the guy that's ruling and telling everybody what to do. And that's not the the society. It didn't operate that way. There was a great deal of independence among the the, the slaves even. Um, so patricentric, it, it like revolved around the father. And we see that repeatedly in the Old Testament world. Uh, I'm going to talk in my scripture text uh, tonight, today from Genesis 12. And you see that even in um, the main characters and how Abraham is the, the of the father that uh, the world is revolving around him. So a patricentric world. So that was the specific article there. And then Seasons of Sorrow by Tim Challies. Uh, that one we're going to talk about in a little bit. So the patrocentric thing right now, patriarchy is both the main boogeyman and on the rise in really conservative yeah. sides of Christendom. I, I know some people who have made an about face from like a Baptist polity to a high reformed uh, Episcopal hierarchy of their church. And then a heavy, I mean, heavy patriarchy. Um, and it's interesting. I think I'm not, I, I think it's, it's over the line, but I couldn't figure out, but the Bible does value that. I like that. Pa so he has a statement here. What do you say? Patrocentric? The, the term patriarchy, literally the rule of the father, places inordinate emphasis on the power a father exercised over his household. Uh, so patrocentrism reflects the normative biblical disposition toward the role of the head of a household in Israel more accurately than does the word patriarchy. Mm. Uh, and I think that's actually just a downfall of our culture and uh, what's going on in our world in that the this idea that rule equals power equals coercion equals manipulation equals i get yeah. what i want at your expense yeah uh, and that's not the way rule ever is supposed to be in the biblical world so i don't have a problem with the word patriarchy um, as long as i can define it and how it should be defined is this idea of patrocentrism uh, where it's a loving and compassionate guiding and leading type hmm. of rule, like a shepherd leads sheep. I really like that. In Western Civ, it's funny that you mention this. Mm -hmm. In Western Civ, when I walk through Roman history, the Romans followed the way of the elders, the mas maiorum, they called it. Mm -hmm. And part of what they, I mean, that was the Greeks. Well, the Romans copied the Greeks. So, but in Rome, they the the term for the way the father was like the final authority was the patria potesta 
And the idea is that the father has stole a total authority. So until you were married as a woman, you were under your father and then you were under your husband and you had very few rights. You could own property, but it was interesting as I was saying all that, I thought this seems like here's like pagans doing this in a very pagan way. That seems right. When the and, and so then often patriarchy followers describe something that Rome was doing without any sanctification. So I like the right. patrocentric idea. That's yeah. I like the balance of that. And it, it's mm-hmm. more biblically rich because so, husbands are to sacrifice mm-hmm. for their families, yeah. not just sit back on a throne and tell them what to do. Right. Like you serve, you sacrifice, Correct. you love. Yeah. I don't want to get bogged down here, but you know, we love, but to talk here it goes long. into yeah, the bog. We're do it anyway. So it came into my mind as you were saying that is one of Lewis's phrases, chronological snobbery. Yes. Or mm-hmm. another Excellent. way of saying that, anachronistic or anachronism, mm-hmm. to take the idea of a modern patriarchy of like how it's being interpreted in a very uh, liberal, coercive, yes, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to and then to apply that retroactively to previous cultures is chronological snobbery. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. not to say that that didn't happen because I think Andy's right on. Like. The mm-hmm. Romans did something like this. It's like pagans being pagan, you know? Yep. Pagan going peg. Yep. And, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what I think, I can't remember if it was Hebert or if it, which which book on worldviews it was over the summer, early in the spring. What really stood out to me is how definingly different the sexual and family ethics of Christians were. I think it was Hebert. And, uh, well, I think it was, it might have been the pagans in the modern city pagans oh. and Christians. Cause it's like, here's Christianity yeah. coming into this Roman idea. And what was so distinct with Christianity yeah. was this sexual marriage ethic mm-hmm. where like it wouldn't have been a patriarchy. It was, it was not like a Christian husband was exhorted to love his wife right. and to serve her. And that was an equal relationship. Mm-hmm. And I do think that's scripturally backed up. And I think that, that book backs that up when it describes like how Christianity was so contracultural to, to Romans mm-hmm. that way. But anyway, yeah. So, um, I've also been reading with my kids, Peter Pan still, uh, and Moby Dick. Uh, I had a listener feedback contact me and, uh, mentioned that Moby Dick is more of a, a whaler's history. And I didn't know that about Moby Dick. Hmm. Uh, so that made a whole lot more sense because there's <clears throat> massive chapters just talking about the color white and how the white whale and they get allegorical and and about the different kinds of whales and all of this stuff. So that really helped me uh, if that was the intention of the author to communicate a history of whaling, then, well, they definitely did that. I don't know if that's really what I cared to have, but um, <sighs> so there's Peter Pan, Moby Dick. And then another fictional series that I'm looking to start, and this one I'll throw out to you guys to see if you've heard of this. John Flanagan is the author, The Ranger's Apprentice. Yes. It was recommended to me by the Aloysies, uh, John and Marsha. Lydia is oh, a nice. student here. Yeah. Yep. Did right. you get to run into him up I did, in Detroit? Up in Detroit. Okay. We actually awesome. invited us over to their house. I have heard of that. That's great. And uh, they strongly recommended the Ranger's Apprentice series. They should submit that. Yes, to books and, business books and Business contest. contest. Correct. So if you've got something like that, then I would encourage you to write, what do you say, two or three sentences, send it to the Thinklings podcast at gmail.com. I think I got that email correctly. The, the social Correct. media post will tell you exactly what to do. Yep. Sydney's on top of her game. Yep. So. Yep. And that'd be great. Yeah. So there, I, those are my books. Aloyosi, I'll probably get his name wrong. He has, they have a podcast over at Detroit and he had an episode on, I believe it was A.H. Strong's ethical monism. 
and that sounds like totally technical, but it was really clear. So shout out oh, to him. Cool. Like it, it was really interesting to see him look at strong in this time period, trying to wrestle with uh, philosophical trends of the day and then reconcile Christianity with them and the problems and the successes in that. So anyways, hmm. I, I found that a really interesting episode. So yeah, he's a big history guy. He teaches history out there. Detroit. I think it was strong. I hope it was strong. It was, I think it's strong. Who's known for that. Yeah. I don't know. I'll take your word for it. I'll, I'll, my answer's kind of weak, but. So my reading for the summer, oh, come on. very basic. Uh, you know, if you're tracking, I was doing this thing on my personal Instagram where I was like, keeping track of the books that I'd finished. And then once I got into doctoral class reading, it's like, it just went too quick to keep up with. And so there's a bunch of books I finished that I don't even remember finishing essentially. Um, it's always bad when you then, finish the book and you don't remember it. That's so good. You ever pick up a book and you see your markings all I, over in the uh, book and you're like, I don't even remember reading this book. But they're your markings. But so they're you my know markings. So I know I read it. It's really, really sad. So I will say that with a lot of driving, it has been, there's been a couple of audiobooks I'm listening to. And uh, one of them is The Story of Reality by Greg Kokel. Yeah, I was working through uh, that. And stay tuned on that one as well. We have a, we have a big week next week for the Thinklings oh, podcast man. with a couple of the previous books we've mentioned. Uh, where we're going to talk to the authors and you'll see There's those episodes coming down the Three pike. huge events next Monday. Two author yes. interviews and, and a birthday of a thinkling. Yeah, I know. I'm telling you. I got paid to be an author. I'm now an author. You are. So an author birthday. That's right. So yeah. shout um, out to Charlie next Monday on his birthday, everybody. Turning 29. Again. Yep. Is this your second 29th or your third 29th? This would be technically the third. The okay. Third Happy 29th. third 29th birthday. Because one of them was legitimate. I, <laughs> there, there's a friend of ours who, who did this for a while. Yeah. And that person's maybe going to listen to this. And so to that person, see... This is a good Not trend you started. Uh, that they shall remain. Throw, throw this out here, guys. So this is, you know, this is, this is, there's another podcast I listen to. It's called the Bear Grease Podcast. And uh, <laughs> you listen to the craziest the reason, podcast. The reason why it's called the Bear Grease Podcast yes, is please. it's a hunting podcast. It's actually very popular in like bear hunting culture to render the bear fat down out of oh. its meat or whatever uh -huh. and it's actually very good to cook in it's like bear bear fat to cook oh. in so the bear grease but it takes a long time to render out the fat and so they have like shorter episodes that are produced but then they also have episodes called bear grease render where it's just like random conversations longer <laughs> that is gross so this is the rendering That's... of the fat right now okay. so what I'm, my thought is i'm looking at the time i'm like should we come back to ministry of the summer and scripture in the next episode like sure. Two summer recap yeah. episodes. I think that'd think? be okay. Sure. We that'd talked a lot about these reading. Poor, these poor listeners are so faithful. Let's, let's give them a break this week. Yeah. They're, they're so used to shorter episodes over the summer. They've, they're not ready for a full yeah. hour yet. Well, let's end with like one scripture that we've been yeah. dwelling okay, well, on. I do, I do want to make a comment about a book that I okay. actually was reading. So I'm getting ready to construct a class online for faith. And I taught it live last spring principles of Bible teaching good class. And one of the books that were on was on a previous syllabus was The Art of Teaching by Gilbert Hyatt. Yeah. And so and I had heard some good things about it. Put it on the on the list. I blitzed through it in preparation mm -hmm. for the class. And it's one of those instances where it's like you read it but like oh, what did you read, you know? Mm -hmm. Like I tried to mine some things out of there. And uh, it's interesting the way that I structure my classes. So every 
that was a Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So every Monday they had reading due over the weekend. They have to write a summary. Not, it's not actually, that's a naughty word. It's not a summary. What kind of a paragraph do you need? Do they need to give they you, They need Charlie? two girthy paragraphs. I just want you to know, students remember this. That's I'm funny. like, the girthy paragraph? Girthy. Because it's not like a minimal paragraph. It's, it's, it's got girth paragraph. to it. So Love it. So what, what I tell them is, this is not a summary of the material. I want you to grab a thought and I want you to think about it. I want you to write and tell me what you think. I agree. I disagree. I'm not sure. This was interesting, but just interacting with something. They come to class, they've already submitted that writing assignment, and then they get into groups and they discuss. And so the writing is meant to prime the pump for the discussion, mm-hmm. aptly named a discussion starter assignment. Very so, good. Yeah. It's like, it's like I've been doing this my whole life, right? <laughs> they can't tell at all that I'm a brand new teacher and I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> so... <laughs> you know, throw it out there on the podcast. Yeah. Keep going. I know now. But so I'm building this for online. <laughs> and so I'm reading back through Hyatt. And I kind of got some negative vibes of Hyatt when the, the students were reading through it. And I'm like, man, is this really worth having on there? And then lo and behold, there's this um, Christopher Perrin. He's like a oh. big guy in classical education. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Puddleglum, a.k.a. Dr. Boyd, gave me a list of things that he had put out of like books that classical educators should think about. And wouldn't you know, The Art of Teaching by Gilbert Hyatt's on that list. And I'm like, so, okay, other people who are much smarter than me have read this and said it's objectively good. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to go really slowly mm-hmm. this time. And like, okay, what is he really saying? And so far, there's some, I mean, he has some interesting worldview ideas. Because yeah. I think he, uh, students picked up on this, but some very... Uh, maybe almost evolutionary thinking. He's like a modernist. Filters through. Yeah. But his ideas on education, I think, fit into some of the vernacular that we have. And I mean, what does he say? Like, the, he starts by talking about like, what are some tenets of a good teacher? He has to know his subject. Okay. He has to love his subject. Mm. He has to love his pupils. Mm. And he has to know his pupils. Good stuff. That's where it gets a little weird where he's like, yeah, you can classify your students. You know, there's like, like one eccentric in every class and then they fall into these categories. And <laughs> it reminded me of like, you know, previous discussions we had about, you know, like some of those personality tests that we take that categorize exactly who we are as humans and I know. tell us who we are. And our personalities are so immutable, like God's character. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like you Wait almost, a second. You can almost like take that personality test and like yeah. put it on an index of all personalities. Yeah. And then, you know, but that's kind of what he's doing. But but if he's modernist and evolutionist, it's not surprising because that makes perfect sense. You would, so, you're a mechanical he, creature. So, so I'm was, done. So I'm, I'm, I'm finding some good things to think through from this. So that, that's probably like the actual, actual reading that's been happening over the last like two or three weeks. Um, and so th- there's one comment he made and he made this comment while I was speaking at a junior high camp and he made the comment about how young boys are almost more like dogs than they are humans. <laughs> and it's funny, but then you like wonder like he might actually think that yeah. because they're not civilized yet. Yeah. And your job as the teacher is to civilize them. Oh, that's like, funny. You're, and he, there's a quote, I have it on my phone. Um, this is, this is the new like level of, you know, tech that I'm at is I'm now just using Apple note for like all my stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just, I don't want to, Google's great. It's Apple Notepad. This yep. it's on my phone. You can dictate. It's great. 
But like one of the statements he made is like, you as a teacher are helping them become more human. Interesting. And so like we, we laugh at that and we're like, yeah, that's not right. But then, you know, from a spiritual level is like, you are helping people become more of something. It sounds like abolition of the man. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, yeah. it's interesting. And so a lot of good stuff in there to critically think through. And so mm -hmm. I think online class and then next year, next spring, when we go through it again, I think it's going to be a much better because I I'm doing what he is saying to do as yeah. a teacher is you can't just get the basics and be done and just do it every year. You have to yeah. continue learning mm -hmm. so that you can take a student who's wanting it farther. Yeah. And so, but yeah, so the art of teaching Gilbert Hyatt, I th if you're, if you want to think through education, get in a, maybe like an entry idea of some like classical ideas, I think that might be a book to go with. I had that recommended to me by a former financial aid guy here and he had taught years ago and he said, this is a really good book and I got it and I maybe skimmed it and I never had a chance to really get into it. But I remember it was more, it was very nuts and bolts, which was helpful. And I think if you, if you didn't know how to set up a class, that part would also be very helpful. Yeah. But if you really like when he said the love your student, love your subject, know your student, know your subject, you could also go back to episode 14 where we have a biblical yep. rationale for that. Yep. And I think our foundation is better than his, but yeah. he's right. He's seeing this is how it works. You, you so, can't, you can't, yeah. these are non-negotiables. Yeah, exactly. And, and I, I apply that in principles of Bible teaching. Yep. You, you're, you're not just giving content. You are discipling students. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, love the Lord, love the student, love truth. Mm -hmm. You're, you're not going to yep. succeed as a discipler. Yep. You just won't. You won't. And so you might be able to get people to conform to some things, but is it really happening? And yeah. which I do think is a bigger problem than we maybe mm -hmm. realize in some of our circles. But anyway, so Genesis 12, I've been reading through Abrahamic covenant. Yes. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So pretty familiar text. I've been working through it and studying through it uh, recently, uh, reflecting upon Abraham's faith, Abram's faith at this point, it's Abram. And also reflecting upon the patrocentric uh, culture and how everything does revolve around Abram in this passage. So I'm going to hit on a couple of different things. Verse 4, so Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. So he goes. He doesn't know where he's going. He just goes. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Uh, notice that Abram is the primary character, but he is not the only character. Everybody, however, is related to Abram in the patrocentric culture of the Bible, connects everybody else to Abram. And we see that in verse 5. In verse 5, it says, Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son. Now, these pronouns, a lot of times we just kind of gloss over them, but who is Sarai? She is his wife. Okay, so who Sarai is, is related, she is identified in her relationship to Abram. Similarly, Lot is his brother's son. Uh, so the relationship of who Lot is, is still connected to Abram. He is the father figure. He's the one that is leading uh, the family um, in, uh, 
uh, out of Haran and then into uh, Canaan. Now, this is an important part that's often, I don't know, just kind of glossed over in this passage, or at least it hit me when I was working through it this last time, this bringing along of Lot. Lot is the only son. He's the only, he's the next heir. Okay, so you have Abram and Sarai, and the text has already communicated that Sarai cannot have any children. So Haran, Abram's brother, has a son. His name is Lot. He only has one son. He has two other daughters, but they are inconsequential because be, the patricentric culture of the ancient Near Eastern world, the the family and the the the, the father would pass on to Lot if Abram cannot have a child. So Lot comes with him, and he is a, an in, important person uh, in this entire scene. And then in verse 6, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the terebinth tree of Morah, and the Canaanites were then in the land. Then in verse 7, then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your descendants, I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. In this passage, it's not something that's really revolutionary. You've probably heard it before, but Abram had faith. He went. He didn't know where he was going. He simply went because God said so. And this gets into revelation and what we know and what we don't know. And a lot of times when God wants us to do something, he doesn't tell us all of the details. He just says, do it. And we have to walk in faith. Sometimes we would like a little bit more light on the path. We'd like a little bit more revelation from the Lord. Uh, But God doesn't want us to have that light. He simply wants us to walk in faith and obey him. And in this next season, at least for me, what I was going to set this up with is... is, um, you know, you need to just sometimes walk in a little bit of darkness and just trust the Lord, just like Abram. Um, recently, even just with my wife and I, we've been trying to plan out our next semester, and we don't have it all figured out. Um, what is it that God wants us to do? What ministries does he want us to jump into? And as we pray and we seek to walk in wisdom, we make plans, um, we make those plans, and you need to make plans, and then you let the Lord direct your steps, one step at a time. And so as this uh, summer season is coming to an end and perhaps your fall ministries are picking up or you're trying to decide what God would have for you to do, maybe even there's some that have way too late (laughs) considered coming to a school like faith. Um, Take one step at a time, just one step of faith at a time and let the Lord guide and direct you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Thinklings Podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have any feedback, suggestions, or potential topics that you'd like us to discuss, you can contact us through our email, thinklingspodcast at gmail.com. Remember, don't let this conversation end with this podcast. Read good books, talk about them with your friends, and always continue to cultivate your mind. See you next time on the Thinklings Podcast.